0: I think that we are blessed in this congregation as we are leading towards Christmas. The preparation that unfolds. The worship in which we hear such delightful music that our choir presents to us. What an outstanding, outstanding choir in presenting to us a gospel message that speaks to our hearts in preparation for this great nativity of Jesus our Lord. And I think about the beauty of this place that in one hour and 25 minutes the youth transformed from our normal worship area into a place of beauty surrounded by lights and the accoutrements of uh, this season so that our hearts might be prepared to find the light. It is in the book Travel Mercies that Anne Lamont talks about her return to the church as an adult. But she gets there through a route that's really unrecognizable to previous generations of Christians. A route maybe that was described first by poet T.S. Eliot as an exploration that leads back to the place where we started and to know the place for the first time. Others describe arriving at faith and think, I've been here before. Or, this is the place that I've been seeking. And these are people who are finding the light, the light of hope and love and purpose and meaning. And so Jesus as the light of the world presents us with two choices. To follow Jesus and have the light of life or to walk in darkness. Today I hope together we can affirm the quest of all Christians and indeed all people to find the light and to move out of the darkness. So would you pray with me, please? O Lord God, we open our hearts to you as we seek that light which illuminates life. Even Jesus Christ, our Lord, show us the way. Lead us out of darkness into light. Amen. As we talk today about finding the light that is the light of Christ that illuminates our lives, we discover that the paths to that light follow a different trail than the ones that our parents took or perhaps that we took earlier in our own lives. 19th and 20th century Christianity was characterized by a place in a structure, in a known tradition that was passed to and received by succeeding generations. The the local church was sort of like that temple in Jerusalem, the central place of religion, a structure, the symbol of faith, and then Jesus changed that temple orientation as He traveled about teaching and healing. The 21st century now brings us back to the sense of faith as being a journey and not just a place. 21st century faith is fluid and dynamic. It's not an inheritance or a knowledge that's imparted by a prior generation, but it's a wisdom that is gained from questioning and searching and a process of seeking and finding Now in the 21st century, this is tied to the traditions of the past but it's the ancient ones that reach back for centuries and not the ones, the traditions of just 50 or 100 years ago that we seem to think are set in concrete. John the baptizer was not worshiping in the temple but in the wilderness. He was not teaching information to be memorized, but issuing a call to repentance, of repentance of the burden of sin in our lives and the renewal that leads to new life, a life of faith and of relationship with God. And so wild man John quotes Isaiah. The words that we read last week, prepare the way of the Lord. And what he is offering us is the comfort that Isaiah in chapter 40 offers. Comfort, comfort my people, says the Lord. John is the fulfillment of the Isaiah 40 passage. The one of comfort and encouragement that's given to a new people in a new era. That is in Jesus' day. And John is pointing to the man Jesus, now grown to full manhood, as the one whose way is being prepared. Now, in biblical cosmology, darkness represents at various times chaos, sin, death separation from god it's the symbol of evil people are afraid of the dark bad things happen in the dark and so thus the coming of the light the dawning of a new day gives us hope and encouragement That God is doing a new thing in our midst once again. Jesus, who is God incarnate, overcomes the darkness, the chaos, death, sin, and separation from God. In all of these things, the coming of the light in the world is victorious. Find the light. Step out of the darkness. The best biblical stories about finding the light come from one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. In the Old Testament is the pillar of light that I've spoken of, that we find in the story of that great exodus from captivity. Leading people, the people of God into the wilderness and it's bringing hope and peace, love and joy. Those four things that we often speak of during Advent, hope and peace, love and joy. It is bringing redemption in the present and affirmation of the future, forgiveness in the past. And in the New Testament, the light is best illustrated as those wise men from the East. Those who seek the light represent for all eternity the search for that light That illuminates life, gives life its purpose and its meaning, its central core. And that's how we come to the star of wonder, star of light, star of royal beauty bright. It's the story of wise ones, of astrologers who studied the heavens and saw a star that that appeared in their part of the sky. They were the seekers from afar who looked for portents and wisdom in the night, enlightenment and someone to worship with their lives. This is a story about outsiders who see and insiders who are blind. It includes the fears and the agitation of a city and its ruler Herod, a petty mean king who uses scribes and priests and institutional religion for his own violent ends. So it is also about deception and lies and hypocrisy and how power is used without wisdom or light. We have to remember that just as Herod tried to corrupt and mislead the wise men, we too today need to avoid the wrong route to this life in which we are living. One of the unfortunate tendencies of contemporary Christianity is that we have turned the light of faith into something that's marketable, another self-improvement plan, and to hold out the suggestion that being a Christian, if you buy into it, buy into it will make you happier and thinner and a better parent and a more sensitive mate. Yeah, right. Some of those things may indeed happen once a person decides to follow Jesus, but it's only as a byproduct of becoming the person that God intends us to be. When we focus on God and prosperity or God and world peace, instead of placing our focus on the actual process of becoming more Christ-like, following the light of the world, we put ourselves in the spiritually dangerous position of using God as a tool or a toy rather than the creator of all that is, the one who is to be worshiped. I think this is what Meister Eckhart, the great mystic of the 14th century, meant when he warned against using God as a candle to find something else. God is not a tool or a toy. God is holy fire. Power and glory too immense to be turned into a convenience by human hands. And we need to find the light that gives life. Where? How, in this 21st century, where life is controlled? by Madison Avenue advertisers, who can twist uh, everything of value to us. Where do we find that light? How do we find it? Last week I spoke of the contrast between darkness and light. The darkness of the world and the light that we receive in Jesus Christ. You know what? As a preacher, I find it very difficult to try to convince people that there is darkness and that we are living in darkness and that we need the light. Because we all think we're doing pretty good, don't we? We all think that we're in the light. But I think that we're all in the dark and don't know it because our eyes have grown accustomed to the dimness and have missed the raging, wild, and wonderful possibility that life offers us if we could yet be in the light. I've tried to establish that we need it and that we want the light, and so today I want to just take a moment to point to where you might look to find it for your life. I ended last week by saying that we have to want it, we have to wait for it, and we have to walk towards it when we see it. And so today I want to encourage you to look for the light without and within ourselves. Without and within. The light of the world is an external beacon something that we can see on a far shore to which we are directing our lives so that we can arrive there. It is noting that God is the sovereign one and the lordship of Jesus Christ and that these are the things that we worship in life. It is an external seeking to see where God is working and then to join God there in that place, in that work. Cynics suggest that God's not a power in today's fast-paced, technologically-oriented world. And we have to push back and say, yes, God is. And that we are seeking to find and to follow that light that illuminates our way. As Christians, we preach and teach and seek that eternal light that ultimately illuminates And that's why we use images like the star and the pillar of fire. That burning bush, which was an external revelation of God to Moses. The external, such as the fleece on the threshing room floor. The opening of doors and the closing of doors, and you pay attention and attribute that to God. That light without serves as an external navigational device like a lighthouse or a beacon on a hill. And when you get lost or you lose your way or you come up on dangerous distant shores and you need to be warned that they're there, that light directs you. It's theologian James Thurber who says that there are two kinds of light. The one that, a glow that illuminates and a glare that obscures. I think that the glitz of life obscures. It's like standing, looking into a headlight and you really can't see. We're sucked into an unhealthy lifestyle. This kind of light is really seductive. Think about the glitter of Las Vegas and all of all of the things that go on there. I think that a... Um, A slot machine is the perfect psychological tool for torture in the world. Because it's got all of those lights and bells that obscure the real meaning and purpose of light. You put in and a cherry comes up and you get three more and the bell goes off and people look at you. And if you win $1,000, there's almost applause. It's the glitz and glare of the carnival on a summer evening with such excitement at a level that we can't sustain that in ourselves and that we have to come out of that glare and to begin to see things more clearly, having won that teddy bear or having gained uh, some little piece or trinket that we can set and remind us of the good time that is now gone. The current economic crisis is about greed that's drawn from the deep wells of the sinful nature of our lives. And it's the glimpse of greed that has taken us down into this nasty decline. We do like nice things. We like bling. We like all of the nice things that bring us comfort and people speak well of us. That's the wrong kind of light to follow. So there's the external light, but there's also an internal glow that illuminates and leads. Now, I know that this is counterintuitive in today's world. We always seem to be looking outside of ourselves, and yet God has put within us the ability to see. have our lives illuminated by something that goes on internally. And so if you can't see the light on the distant shore to bring you home safely, look inward, because the light is not only without, it is within. And it comes perhaps as the prompting of the Holy Spirit, it's that holy nudge that you notice and that you consider to be of God. The image that I hold in my mind when I think about a holy nudge is my little dog, Maddie. And Maddie, when she wants attention, will come up and take her head and will bump against my calf so that I'll pay attention. I think, in some ways, that reminds me of how God nudges us at times. And it's an inward nudge. And we gain that as we grow in our understanding our learning and our Bible study in quiet contemplation, listening for the presence of God. There is an ancient tradition that goes back to the very beginnings of Christianity called an examine, where we, at the end of the day, look at where we have seen God during the day. Where have we felt the nudge? Where have we felt the leading? Where have we seen the light? We have to pay attention. To find the light that gives true life, we have to want it, wait for it, and walk towards it when we see it. We have to watch for it without the external and within. And so as we go into this time of preparing for the light of the world to once again come, that's what we need to be paying attention to. Not the bling and the bluster and the glitter of the world, as wonderful as that is. But to quietly seek out the light that gives us life. And my prayer is that you will seek it, seek for it, and that you will find it, and that all of the glory of God will surround you. Amen.